On July 28, 2010, the United Nations General Assembly adopted an historic resolution recognizing the human right to safe and clean drinking water and sanitation as essential for the full enjoyment of the right to life. For those of us in the balcony of the General Assembly that day, the air was tense. A number of powerful countries had lined up to oppose it, so it had to be put to a vote. The Bolivian ambassador to the UN, Pablo Salon, introduced the resolution by reminding the assembly that humans are composed of about two-thirds water, and that our blood flows like a network of rivers to transport nutrients and energy through our bodies. Water is life, he said. Then he laid out the story of the number of people around the world who were dying from lack of access to clean water, and quoted a new World Health Organization study on diarrhea, showing that every three and a half seconds in the developing world, a child dies of waterborne disease. Ambassador Salone then quickly snapped his fingers three times and held his small finger up for a half second. The General Assembly of the United Nations fell silent. Moments later, it voted overwhelmingly to recognize the human rights to water and sanitation. The floor erupted in cheers. The recognition by the General Assembly of these rights represented a breakthrough in the struggle for water justice in the world. It followed years of hard work and was a key platform of our global water justice movement for at least two decades. For me personally, it was the culmination of many years of work, and I was proud and grateful to all who had helped make it happen. But our work is far from over. Recognizing a right is simply the first step in making it a reality for the millions who are living in the shadow of the greatest crisis of our era. With our insatiable demand for water, we are creating the perfect storm for an unprecedented world water crisis. A rising population and an unrelenting demand for water by industry, agriculture, and the developed world. Over extraction of water from the world's finite water stock, climate change, spreading drought, and income disparity between and within countries, with the greatest burden of the race for water falling on the poor. Suddenly, it is so clear. The world is running out of fresh water. These were the opening words of my 2002 book, Blue Gold, The Battle Against Corporate Theft of the World's Water, co-written with Tony Clark, which warned of a mighty contest brewing over the world's dwindling freshwater supplies. As water became the oil of the 21st century, we predicted, a water cartel would emerge to lay claim to the planet's freshwater resources. This has come true. But so has our prediction that a global water justice movement would emerge to challenge the lords of water. In my 2007 book, Blue Covenant, The Global Water Crisis and the Coming Battle for the Right to Water, I describe the growing water cartel and its relentless drive to find ways to take control of the world's water supplies. I also reported on the amazing work of the environmentalists, human rights activists, 
indigenous and women's groups, small farmers, peasants, and thousands of grassroots communities that make up the global water justice movement, fighting for the right to water and to keep water under public and democratic control. In the six years since Blue Covenant was published, much has been accomplished. Reports on the crisis are commonplace in mainstream media and the classroom. Books, films, and music move millions to action. The United Nations, other global institutions, and many universities are also sounding the alarm. A movement has coalesced to provide water and sanitation to the urban and rural poor with mixed but hopeful results.